Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Now entering Nerdist.com. Recording it twice? Yes. I just, yeah, it's just because my, you know, start, start, are we still we are recording? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I am recording this twice because <laughs> I am a, I'm an incessant backer-upper. I'm an incessant backer-upper. And I, 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 I back up all my stuff on the cloud a couple times. I've got a network hard drive at home. I've got uh, a regular time capsule hard You're drive. You're constantly backing that thing up. I was going to say, was that, that song th- written about you? Yeah. It really was. Uh, we're talking with uh, John Hamm is here. Yeah, that's me. John Hamm. Bearded John Hamm. You can't see that. It's on the radio. I don't understand how radio works. <laughs> it's not the radio. It's not the radio. It's the internet. With the mind's eye. <laughs> yeah, radio's dead. But imagine, if you will, me, like I look in regular life, but just with more hair on my face. Well, I don't understand. Could you uh, walk yeah, me yeah. through that? Go Listen, I'm, I'm a network executive. I, I can't picture things in my brain. Go back. Just go back to the first thing I said. Imagine me, regular me. Okay, uh, I got that picture. Fine. Now, if... Uh, Casual? Here's Casual better, you? Here's a better way to do it. Okay. Remember those okay. games where you used to move the little iron filings around with the, uh, with the magnet? Oh, uh, I'm the, sorry. My parents didn't let me have toys. That's why I became an executive. Uh, well, um, <laughs> I always just put hair on his head. Oh... <laughs> Everybody at home, everybody at home, look down at your genitals. See the, the big pubic area that's very, very furry? Imagine that on my face. Will uh, Not a good example. Wow. Yours specifically. You at home, your pubic hair specifically on John Hamm's face. <laughs> there might be some people at home who are like, I have groomed myself in the style of John Hamm yeah. uh, <laughs> down there. A little madman sniz. Yeah, yeah my pubic sniz. hair is constantly has a cigarette sniz. in its mouth. <laughs> John, um, I was I'm, I first met you a couple years ago at the UCB Theater in LA, and I had not, Mad Men had already been on for a season, and I hadn't watched it yet, but everyone said it was great, and we met doing Jimmy Pardo's Match Game. That's right. And I said, uh, "Oh, hey, you know, uh, congratulations on your show. I hear I hear it's really good." Then I watched it, and I was like, "Oh, fuck, no! This is actually really one of the best shows on television," and and it totally like just blew my mind because you you were so goddamn funny on Match Game. But you know your you, you, your show is so intense. 
that I don't think I don't think a lot of people who watch Mad Men. I mean, maybe they do now because you've done SNL and you've done some other stuff. But you're genuinely funny. Oh well, thank you. And we kind of nerded out about comedy. So what was your uh, what was your did you did you want to be a comedian when you were younger? Did no, you do sketch um, or anything. I, I I really didn't. I just I was always a fan of it, fan of the form, mm-hmm. as it were. Um, and had watched SNL as a little kid, and 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 watched Kids in the Hall, and and the Fridays and SCTV, and, and Fridays, <laughs> the Michael Richards Michael show. Richards show. Yep. Uh, or the Stuart Pankin. Stuart show. Pankin, Melanie Chartoff. I think she was on that. <laughs> she a lot of the not necessarily the newscast. That's right. Came from Fridays. Um, and and so I just it, it's kind of like like uh, it was just something to do. I was a I was an only child. It was in the heady days before uh, video games and internet. So you did things like watch television and listen to the radio and and uh, listen to albums. And uh, I had a, a when you say albums, I don't understand. <laughs> try to try. Okay, try to imagine my face. God, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> uh, so imagine my face. Fresh. Wait a minute. Flat so this is a, made of vinyl. This is a sound medium with a beard. I don't understand. <laughs> Go back. Uh, Lots of pops on that record. I confuse easily. So you you, you must have been a Steve Martin fan. Steve Martin, you? sure. Uh, uh, Steve Martin, George Carlin, um, God, Richard Pryor, Bob Newhart. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a wild card there, a little Bob Newhart. Uh, they, basically, whatever I could get from the library. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to explain libraries? Do we still have I libraries? Understand. Libraries. <laughs> oh, that's where I read my, my movies. All right, so I'm checking out your beard at a at a at a factory. God damn it! Uh, but uh, no, it was just something that I was always interested in, and uh, but the actual process of 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 what comedians do and uh, sitting down and writing something on purpose to be funny is mystifying to me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, You've Alan, been Baldwin, Alan Baldwin said something funny, like because everybody was telling him how funny he was, how funny he is on Thirty Rock, and how amazing he is, and he's like, I don't even understand it. Like, I, I can be funny when people write funny things for me to say, but like Tracy Morgan can be funny sitting by himself in a room. Uh, he's like, I don't have that capacity, whatever that is. So I feel a little bit of the same way. Uh, is is just that if I'm placed in a room with other funny people, I can attempt to. Uh, to do that, but uh, but on my own, I'm 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 hopeless uh, when it comes to being funny. But also, kind of that's uh, hilarious. I don't. <laughs> Damn it! I did it again. <laughs> I can't help it. I stop laughing. It's like some weird King Midas curse where everyone just laughs at everything. No, seriously, I'm having a stroke. The it's em- hilarious. <laughs> the Emperor's new funny hilarious clothes. <laughs> do, do you guys don't smell toast? I smell toast. <laughs> um, but also, uh, I. You know, I've, I've got some big news for you because you, you know, when I emailed you and I said, hey, do you want to come do the podcast? You said, sure, if you get me a copy of Red Dead Revolver. <laughs> and I, John, my exciting news is that I have not found that for you. <laughs> it's weird. You can't find a video game from eight years ago? It's so weird because usually those things just last forever and ever. They don't change every year. They don't... You know, Why do you want the old one? Why do you you don't want the new one? Uh, it was basically again getting back to my point of me not being funny. That was the funniest uh, video game title I could come <laughs> it's up with on very short notice. I want that popular game. No, that's uh, all right. Now Red Dead Revolver is going to be like John Hamm's favorite Red <laughs> yeah, Dead yeah, Revolver. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be your face. Get those only. stickers made, shiny stickers. But uh, yeah, I you, we talked about this briefly, but I I had, well, to, I had to give up video games. Uh, I think we all had to give, give up video games at some point. It was either that or do things in life. Yeah, and I, and I yeah. just, you know, I, I, I found myself where I, in a position where I, I'm at auditions and I'm like, uh, I got to get home and finish Wild Arms. Or, uh, <laughs> and so I was just blowing auditions yeah, We off. were just saying, when, it's, when, you, when you start uh, rejoicing in the fact that you didn't get a job because mm-hmm. it means you'll have more time to play Halo. Yep. 
I uh, I cut back on uh, video games really early on because I had a, st- a string throughout my entire life. Again, you say you had a stroke. A stroke <laughs> playing Tetris. Don't call oh, attention to it. Intense. No, Joni, your face just a little looks a little melty on <laughs> one no, side. Man, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, no, but uh, throughout my life, I got the wrong system. Like when the handhelds oh, yeah. come out came out, I didn't get Game Boy. I got Atari Lynx. Uh, sure. And then uh, when um, when the disc drive uh, game systems came out, I didn't get PlayStation. I got Panasonic 3DO. Sure. Uh, uh, and then when the, uh, the next generation of the you know the 32 bit, I got uh, Sega Saturn. Sure. Uh, wow. And yeah, so I, I failed. You were back in the wrong horse <laughs> every time. So I never trust myself when wanting to buy electronics. I always got the wrong thing. No, no, no. I'm not going to bet on Japanese electronics. You come to me and tell me that the Swiss are making a watch. <laughs> and you've got my money. Defending your life. Defending your life. Yes. Defending your life. I love that movie. It's a it's fantastic movie. movie. Defending One it. of the best yeah. movies ever made. I saw it in the theater and it blew me away. And when I was in college, just from being a comedy nerd, I didn't relate to other kids that well. So it was very difficult <laughs> as like a freshman or sophomore in college to try to convince other kids to be like, let's go see Defending Your yeah. Life. I want to go see Albert Brooks. You know, Albert Brooks, comedy minus one. Blank. Nothing. Oh, this is why I don't will, get invited to parties. Will there be boobs? Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, yes. You, they're might under, see, you might see Rip Torn's boobs. The, bo- <laughs> the boobs are under a tupa, which is what they call their dead gowns. At this point, is a risk anywhere. You might see Rip Torn's boobs. You don't know. You <laughs> might, he might pull them out at a bank thing at his <laughs> yeah. house. You don't know where you're going to see Rip Torn's tits. You just you never know. RipTornsTits.gov. Check them out. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody told me a story about uh, Rip Torn on the set of Larry Sanders. That he honestly uttered these words about Janine Garofalo. That Janine Garofalo, I'll bet her pussy smells fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Rip Torn. I hope Janine doesn't there's hear this couple, podcast. There's a couple the ways to go about criticizing that comment. One is that, well, it's actually quite a nice thing to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. It's, it's like, a compliment. It's, yeah. it's not like he, he was saying that, 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 that I bet it smells terrible. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, but I is. bet it smells like a dumpster near a pier. <laughs> but to be honest, though, I'd, I'd imagine Rip Torn's the kind of guy that does want a smelly vagina. He yeah. does seem like the kind of guy, oh, yeah. it was great. It smelled like horse shit. It's a turnoff to him, right? <laughs> yeah. It smells fantastic. You're so well Too kept. bad. You're you know, so well kept. You know when you leave a steak in the shed for a couple of days? <laughs> no. That's kind of the experience. No, no one does right? that. Torn. Yeah. No one knows that. The shed you, you keep, keep out your behind your bank? in your shed? Yeah, I got a steak shed out back. Ah, keep them dry. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you got to eat your meats. Ah, I believe in refrigeration. You guys, have, you guys have seen this uh, clip on the internet, I'm assuming, uh, of, of Rip Torn and uh, Norman Mailer. No. Fist fight? No. no. What? Well, That's amazing. YouTube it. <laughs> it's funny. It's you from t- the 70s. They so they're, actually they're get all fist like fight? hale and healthy. Yeah, and it's like a picnic. And there are children there. At a picnic. <laughs> oh wow. my god. Rip Torn, the first like viral video. Yeah. In a yeah. fist fight. With Norman Mailer. And, yeah, and, you, and, you, and, and it's, uh, it's got sound and everything. So somebody was there with a, with a Super 8 camera. Filming it with a microphone, with a, it was not as easy as uh, now. God to, damn like, it! Now that's that's the seventies for you. When when Norman Mailer and Rip Torn were getting a fist fight, not now. When it's a bunch of fucking mouth breathing unibrow dudes jumping off their sheds in the backyard. <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, backyard on wrestling. purpose. That's the lifeblood of our show. Chris. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to attack. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to attack our entire demographic and and money resource uh, for Web Soup. Attacking all that. Uh, there's another. Someone else was working. Uh, on a show that Robert Stack was working on and they were kind of in line behind him at craft service and just out loud to himself as he was scooping vegetables onto his plate he just kind of said to himself ah broccoli 
Broom of the lower intestines. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are great. Again, uh, not, not false. Not, not false, false at all. No. Uh, just, uh, maybe. I'll bet this broccoli's pussy smells fantastic. <laughs> See, I would bet it smells like broccoli. <laughs> Rip stack. That just matches. Yeah. It just smells like broccoli. <laughs> not that great. Broccoli puss. So, uh, what's <laughs> it? I mean, you're basically... You're work. You must be working on your dream job. I mean, like when you're when you're a young actor, you just kind of want to work, and it doesn't really matter what you work on because you just want to work. I've certainly had those jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen your IMDb page. Mm-hmm. I, I know you were I plenty you, of those. That's right. That's right. Around the time I met you, because I remember I met you waiting in line to go see. I think maybe it was a it was a Bart Coleman pilot. It was the yeah, Super was Happy the, Fun was... Game Bomb thing. Yeah, it was the it was the uh, it was the sort of fake argument show. Yeah, yeah, crossballs, crossballs. Yeah, yeah, and then, oh, uh, crossballs. Yeah, we met it, uh, like just outside of the production. Waiting in line. Line. Yeah, waiting in line. Waiting in line on La Brea. Uh, <laughs> no, it was Vine. Vine. Yeah, yeah. Even, ooh, I think you worse. just like you went. Hey over... guys, don't fight. Don't get all ripped torn and over there. Oh, <laughs> that's what we're supposed to rifle, John. <laughs> I said Vine. No, it was Fountain. Uh, but yeah, like I remember, um, like you uh, you were on your bike and you rode away, and then I asked uh, John, Tall John. I was like, oh, what does uh, John do? He's, like, He's an actor. I was like, oh, I hope it works out for him. <laughs> though I didn't know it was Why don't you hope it, it works was currently out for working us? Out, it was currently working out for that, you. That was very nice of you, though, to, to put that out to the universe. I tried. That's so nice. you're welcome. Thank you. Jonah's uh, a star maker. <laughs> no, we, I, just, we just brought you here to thank Jonah. <laughs> See, we We're need waiting. <laughs> the year 2004. Me and John Hamm on Vine. Or La Brea, it's up for debate. I love the fact that I got on my bike. Yeah, you were on a I bike. Was, I was healthy then. <laughs> um, I, then that's although the riding about, a bike in Hollywood in the summer is probably like the worst thing you could do. Yeah. You know, now that now that uh, now that your career is going so well, you should drive around on a tandem bike with a chauffeur in the front <laughs> and just kind of kick your back. Edward. <laughs> yes. Yes, sir. To the Jamba Juice. <laughs> All right, Mister Ham. <laughs> Um, I, I made that uh, chauffeur British uh, because I didn't kind want to be racially kind of British. British. Would you get like, a British chauffeur? You don't like my British accent. <laughs> I'm from England. So much Sharon Osbourne. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. To, to to your point, I guess yeah, it is. It's a great job, but uh, it is the it is the, the most recent in a string of of many jobs that weren't as great. So you know, it is. It's a it's a long. Uh, road. I mean, I would imagine it's similar uh, being being a comic to sort of like there are there are those nights you're going to play the Chuckle Hut in you know wherever Sioux Falls, right. South Dakota, and mm-hmm. you go like, well, here it is, here we are. I guess uh, <laughs> I guess we're going to do the best we can and, and move on. So right. uh, ideally, I, it's an upward progression, and 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 you know. But it's like anything else, I guess. It's, it's. I remember this is one of the first times I actually. I never. I didn't meet you, but I had seen you uh, live. Was at Largo many, many years ago, and you know those shows were like you and Patton, Paul F, and Sarah Silverman, and Tenacious D, and and Zach, and all these guys who are now, you know, blown up. Yeah, they're all yeah. doing really well. Um, I'm on a third tier <laughs> basic cable channel. Well, you know, it's it's funny because. Uh, when I first started doing comedy in like uh, 2002, right before there was a show at iOS that Patton put together uh, called Pricks, Punks, Perverts, and People. No, it was uh, no Matt Besser put together. Every week it was the same lineup. It was uh, Matt Besser, Danielle Schneider, uh, David Keckner, Jerry Miner, Pe- uh, Patton Oswalt, Brian Posehn. Uh, and that was every week, yeah. and I was one of three people in the show, uh, like like in the audience for five dollars. No, it was a free show. Free, I think yeah. Largo and, was five bucks. Yeah, Largo it was, was a free Largo show Largo every Largo. week, and no one was ever there. And like, a, like it was like I felt like I was cheating the world. Yeah. I was like, I get to see these people every week, but I was a comedy nurse, so I knew. 
But you're an, you're an early show, adopter. If that if that show existed now, it, it could you know sell out the Largo every night. So it's you, crazy. You have the opposite uh, sensibility uh, with comics that you do with video game platforms. That's <laughs> exactly. I can. You pick actually them. pick very good <laughs> ones very yeah, early. Exactly. Oh, it's the fun. guy who likes to the be comedy honest, and crappy systems. <laughs> to be honest, though, I wish I could switch it. If I could put my stock <laughs> in electronics, I think I'd be doing a little better right now. <laughs> those those Monday those Monday Night Largo shows were oh, it was crazy beyond insane. I mean, not even just getting to perform with them, but also just being a just being able to go and see. Like the the, I, the first time I ever saw Mitch Hedberg live was at one of those Largo Hot shows. Room. I used yeah. to read about them living in Massachusetts. Like in 2000. How exciting that And I would say, when I get out there, I'm going to spend $5 and see these people. And by that time, it was over. Oh, yeah. You missed it. I saw, I, Mitch, like, I saw Mitch Hedberg do this thing on stage where he was like, I have, and I never saw him do this anywhere else, but he was like, I have undertaken a writing project where I have written a spec menu. And so he just read this entire menu of food where it was like braised short ribs and a bonnet sauce. I am not sure I am using braise correctly in that context. <laughs> like it was fucking amazing, That's amazing. Awesome. So well, that was funny. it was a funny time to be there too because it, it it was early when I started. The reason I went there is because it was cheap, mm-hmm. and uh, I knew a couple people, and I, and so I eventually got to know enough people where I didn't have to stand in the ridiculously long right. line. I could go around the back or go, hey, can I can, can go right through? Um, but at a certain point, it got so crowded and so crazy that it, it over. It overtook the, the venue, so to yeah. speak. There were a couple like Tenacious D shows where like it was beyond standing room only, and 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 it was ridiculous. So yeah, it's yeah. nice. It was a cool thing to be sort of in before everyone else was was hip to it. It feels and, like it started over with the M Bar shows. Yeah, like it's like you know there was these great shows that barely anybody were at, and then and then all of a sudden yeah, crazy, and then yeah. M- those M Bar shows were amazing. And Spilling then out that's where we met. That's where we met. Yeah. And then and then when Ackerman when they opened the UCB theater and Ackerman was like, oh, we're going to move CDR to Comedy Death Ray to UCB. I was like. No one's gonna go to that. It'll never work. M bar, M bar. You can eat and you yeah. can drink and no one. People don't. This is not a theater culture. They're not gonna go sit in a theater. Yeah. And I'm a fucking idiot because now, like, you know, every almost every crazy. great show in Los Angeles happens at the UCB. Yeah. So I just, I didn't know. I didn't know. I was dumb. But uh. so come on out. Come to the UCB theater. Whenever you guys <laughs> listening at home, get get this. John, and it'll be over by then. Drop your headphones. John is still doing uh he's doing the comedy world favors by appearing on every show. I think <laughs> everyone's well, calling do, in their favorite card. I do go. I do go a lot. I mean, I've, I've, I've it's just, I just like going. It's, yeah. First of all, it's relatively close to my house, and, and it's it fairly fairly easy. What's your address? Situation. I don't think anyone will. Uh, yeah, let me just throw that out there. It's <laughs> Boulevard at. Do you live Ooh. in a robot? <laughs> <laughs> a Boulevard. Oh, right. wow. Your Majesty. <laughs> boulevard. A boulevard. Oh, with the OU. Oh, okay. Nice diphthong, jagass. How often do you get to say that in conversations? Uh, what was the last Daily. show you went to at UCB? Last Tuesday. Oh, you were, oh, you were last Tuesday show? Yeah. Uh, well, I got there very late, but uh, some the Sklars were there and uh, nice. Nick Kroll. And, uh, that's all. They're the only people I saw, but Brody was hosting. Brody, Brody still wearing. I do podcasts. <laughs> oh my god! See, you, 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 know, I, you do an impression of, of Brody Stevens, and now at the top of reaction, going to be like, often repeated by yeah, John yeah, Hamm. Will, Brody will Stevens. Find it out. <laughs> yeah. I know famous people. <laughs> it was amazing. It was Brody. His, his arm is in a cast right now, and Brody does warm up for Chelsea lately. So I just saw him. Actually, I did it with the Scars a couple days ago, and. Uh, 
But because he has one arm in a cast, he just had one drumstick in his one back drum. pocket. <laughs> one drum I saw it. Brody was one of those guys where I heard of, I heard people doing impressions of him. Like, I, yeah, because I started coming in '02, and it was like shortly after I started hanging out. Like, I would hear people do Brody. It's like, you know, Brody Stevens. I was like, no, they're like, you know, Brody, Brody Stevens. Oh, that guy. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Welcome, you won't have me on your podcast, but you'll talk about me in my bits. Wait, why is he sounding all wackety? He was a megaphone singer earlier. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> a little off an annie. Kind of a money machine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so man. So do you ever, um, so you never, you, you never really did any live comedy at all? No, because it was on so purpose. great. Like it was so fun doing Match Game. We did we did a bunch of Match Games. That was a fun show. Uh, it was incredibly nerve wracking for me, of course, because I was surrounded by people like you and Patton and and Paul F and sort of professional funny people. So the idea of uh, again the idea of, of being funny on purpose for me is, is terrifying. But when people see, I mean. But when, pe- you know, when also pe- the bar's fairly low when you come in as like the guy from Mad Men. They're like, "What's he gonna do? Like right. smol- <laughs> smolder?" <laughs> you know, actually, no, he was he he smoldered really well, and he was very funny. Very funny, some yeah. really funny, funny smoldering. smoldering, some really hot fuckable smoldering. But that was uh, <laughs> that was like it, why the sort of the idea of, of hosting SNL wasn't wasn't that big of a. It was terrifying in many ways, but it, like the bar was incredibly low. It's like yeah, just just. Just uh, don't just don't fall over. Don't uh, run into the camera. <laughs> what was that process like? What was, what was the SNL process like? Uh, it's a, it's an amazingly well oiled machine. Like you, you just basically try to stay out of the way. And uh, again, I think other certain hosts have have more or less involvement with either the writing. I mean, I know Zach's hosting it this week. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he has more. Uh, Involvement with the writing, just because that's what he does. Right. You but, mean he's uh, hosting it last Saturday, where it was really good. <laughs> oh, time warp. <laughs> uh, but uh, but I, I I sort of let them, especially the first time, let them kind of do do what they want. And you meet with everybody, and you meet Lauren, and you meet with all the writers, and then you sort of go in, meet individually, and they pitch ideas, and you say that would be funny or not, or maybe or whatever. And and uh, Wednesday of the week you have 50 sketches that you're going to read that they wrote you know the last two nights mm-hmm. and you go through like a four hour read through and just read all these sketches oh my god and it's awesome it's at a huge table there's like the lady at the piano playing sound effects and people bringing wigs and props and stuff in there just to kind of make it better does it feel like you're on a like the old Sid Caesar show it or does something? I mean it really does and plus you're, you're in this you're in this room on this stage on this floor of this building that yeah. has done this for 35 years so Did you, you're sitting the, at the same table that you know everybody else sat at throughout the years so it's kind of amazing and also a little terrifying right. in many ways so it's uh you get you get to look at them first so you can be like okay uh what am i going to do with this one or what am i going to do with that and one? as the guest you probably get you know you probably get the good side of the show and not the <laughs> it's my oh, first yeah. it's my first year writing on SNL and three yeah. of my sketches just got cut at the last minute yeah. and, you know were there any sketches that during the read through that you wanted that didn't get on first the first time there was there was one that i thought was really funny called uh, Apollo 11 i don't know if if uh, if it'll ever make it on the air but it was ba- it was basically about the the guys who who uh Went on, uh, got to go on the moon, and of course there was one dude who was left back in the capsule. You know, mm-hmm. Michael Co- Collins. Michael Collins was left in the in the capsule. Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong. Correct That's me if correct. I'm wrong, uh, went out, and so it's it's the three dudes in the capsule saying, and the guy saying like, you know, Michael, we're really sorry. You know, we we 
we drew numbers and this is how it works. And I'm like, I'm playing Michael Collin. No, of course you guys, this is great. <laughs> you guys deserve it. I'll be back here making sure everything's great. Be safe. This will be awesome. So they go out and it's Forte and uh, Hater, and they're like, ah, I forgot. You're not going to believe this. What? Forgot my helmet. Forgot my space helmet. I'm going to go out and like, you're an idiot. Like, you really need to like get your head in the game. So they, they, they go to go back in the they go back into the door and it's locked. And they're like, wait, we just what's the deal? And they kind of shake the door and I'm like, yeah, what what do you want? And they're like, uh Aldrin forgot his helmet. Like, oh, uh, okay, let me uh, let me just grab it for you. They're like, unlock the door. Let us back in. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I come in and like my spacesuit's kind of half off. I'm like, here's your helmet. Why are you guys? What are you doing? And they're like, what are you doing in there? They're like, nothing, nothing. Just go to the moon. Go to the moon. Do your thing. So uh, they're like, okay. Uh, slam door. Locks. They're like, oh man, that was really weird. What's going on in there? Uh, Nothing. All right. Well, let's get to the moon. Okay. Oh, fuck. What? Forgot the flag. We got to put the flag on. <laughs> Forgot the flag. I can't believe it. Oh, God. Well, all right. Knock, knock, knock. What? Knock, knock, knock. Armstrong forgot the flag. Can we? Oh, what do you guys want? If you get the flag. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't think you're going to want to use the flag. <laughs> so believe it or not. It got cut. A story about uh, an astronaut masturbating in God. Uh, Jerking off on the, in on the flag. On the flag. Somehow, the didn't, somehow didn't make it. Make wow. it you know, that's not, that's not surprising to me. It's because there was a uh, my favorite cut sketch from SNL of all time. I don't know if it, if he ever actually made it, but it, this must have been like ten years ago. I heard Robert Smigel pitched an animated. Uh, he pitched a raid commercial, but for RU486. So the thing was going to be, are you 486? Gets down deep where babies hide. Because <laughs> <laughs> never, they were like, yeah, yeah I guess we can. That one didn't really we make did, it on. It didn't really make it huh. on. That's a little surprising. sensitive. A little sensitive surprising about that. Masturbating in space, though, that's like coming in slow motion. It really is. Yeah. How? It really is. Um, I hear. That's, I mean, I don't know. I've never. I haven't simulated it. I've never, let's say, taken a free fall uh, jet ride and then uh, tried to crank one out. Um, but let's just say hypothetically. You got to time that shit just but right. But it, it, is, it is weird. Like, I, one of the ones I did on the first show was a, was a one that got cut at dress from Brian Williams' show. Uh, they, they do recycle sketches that, that either, for whatever reason, don't, don't make it through table or dress or whatever. And, and I've watched a couple of those ones that went up on my second time went back in various sort of repurposed versions in the next week's show. So it, it, they do they do reuse stuff and, and if it's funny and it just doesn't work or somebody's not killing at the table or the host doesn't get it right or whatever they'll they'll, they'll put stuff up again but if they, if they keep they don't keep recycling them like if it doesn't work like three times it's like yeah that's a that was the thing I heard Odin talking work. about once where he said like that's what he hated at the time when he was at SNL is that like they just, they just kind of yeah Bob Odenkirk were just like he said they would just kind of cut stuff and not really ever return to it as much as they should, or they would just try the same version of it and never rewrite it or retell yeah, it as much it's, as they uh, should. Yeah, and, and the amazing, really amazing thing of like how how it works, like once you finally get your show set, and then you, it starts getting cut or tweaked or whatever because they have to fit it into this shoebox of a mm-hmm. stage, and there's three huge cameras moving around, an audience and all this stuff, and sets that have to move around and everything, and. And by the time dress happens, then they have to cut a half an hour from the show because that they purposely make dress rehearsal long so they can see what works and, and move it around and, and fit the pieces. It's, it's like this crazy Tetris game where you have to fit everything into this box, and the box is 90 minutes long, and you have like 
10 minutes for weekend update and two musical acts and that's those things are blocked out and commercial time and everything and everything else like th- there could be nine three minute sketches there could be two 10 minute sketches and three two minutes like it's just crazy and that's there's weird. a lady with a little stopwatch who just like marks everything out and they fit it all in there and I, you know what, what always what I always get stomach aches thinking about is, is is television in the 50s when sitcoms were live yeah when it was all I, like I just that. get fucking stomach aches thinking about like that was a stage production yeah. and you yeah. could not fuck every it week up. yeah every and at, week. Least, at least on SNL in theory you could kind of break the scene a little bit if you fuck up so bad but like I love Lucy or any of the honeymooners or any of those like you you just could not fuck up no matter what yeah it was like go, we just go with it, and that's kind. Of, that's kind of what it is on SNL. Like it, there, things happen. Like people miss cues, and somebody's wig isn't on, or the quick change doesn't happen fast enough, and or like famously the uh, who's the singer that sort of. Sinead O'Connor? No, no, no. That mumbled her line. Or oh, Ashley Simpson. Ashley Simpson. I always yeah. get Sinead and Ashley Simpson mixed up. I'm sorry, <laughs> guys. Classic, yeah, I mean, their styles mistake. are very similar. So I was, I was Who sort of just like, they played the wrong track and she was, whoops, and yeah. walked off stage. And they're like, well, she, well, she, she did, did a jig first. She did, yeah. she did do a nice jig. She did, she did a little jig. Yeah. Or uh, when, um, when Jenny, um, uh, why am I blanking her last name? She said fuck at the top. Oh, Jenny oh, Slate. Yeah, Slate. Yeah, Jenny Slate. Yeah, yeah. The season. Um, Third person to say fuck on SNL. Third person ever? Yeah, Char- Charlie Rocket and then uh, Norm McDonald and now Norm. Jenny Slate. Oh, when when did Norm say it? Um, Daily. He yeah. said it. <laughs> Will Ferrell did this vomiting thing where he was vomiting and uh, uh, Norm the grabbed the vomit. Right, right, yeah, right. Norm, vomiting out of your Norm grabbed sleep. the vomit and tasted it and he went, ugh. And he went, what the fuck was that? Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. That's fantastic. I recorded that one. I had that on tape. If oh, only wow. there were some worldwide web of information <laughs> from know, which man. we That's could go see Where could I see my VHS Along tapes? with the Norman Mailer <laughs> rip-torn bout that took place in the 70s. You know, one sketch that could not be recycled for anyone else, John Hamm's John Hamm, which oh, yeah. I fucking loved. And that was near the end of the show, right? Yep. I think that could have been a top of show. Well, that's, that's up there with the Peter Sarsgaard Sarsgaard. Written by the same, <laughs> believe it or not, written by the same person. Uh. Uh, Seth Meyers uh, unabashedly likes puns, yeah. and uh, I I had uh, going back for the second one. He's like, "What do you think? Should we do another one?" I'm like, "I think that ship sailed. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, what was there? Like a product recall? Like, what is it possibly? What? 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 How? How? How deep can I think we? That's we- just just mine." This Main. Like, I, think, I think it's just John Ham's John Ham. Remember? <laughs> right? Yeah. Remember this one? Every line you have is just like uh, followed by, huh, right? From the last time? <laughs> uh, and he came up with the, the ham, ham and, and bubbly and thing, which was, uh, which was very funny and, and killed. So I was happy to be a part of it. And, and Buble did a great job. He was suitably uh, nervous and, uh, and uh, rightfully so. Michael I, Bublé. I, I, hate, I hate that guy. I'll kill him. <laughs> wow. John Hamm throw downs a gauntlet on Michael right. Bublé on the Nerdist podcast. That's all right. I don't think Bublé's ever going to come on the show. Yeah, Well, I, he actually is here right now, so let me bring him in. Uh, <laughs> Mike, Bublé. Mike Hello, come on in. everybody. <laughs> Too bad there's not a rat pack for me to hang out with. Still banging broads. <laughs> He's engaged. Oh. To be married. Well, how dare you? I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Michael Bublé. Are these, wow. these, these free for alls? Yeah, yeah. Have a water. They're for you. <laughs> it's like I don't care who I hurt. Michael Bublé. 
I might make a Paris Hilton joke at some point. This, this, this is the building to do it in. Yeah, this yeah. is the... Uh, oh, yes, we're in the... This feeds the monster. We're on the E side, actually, though. The G, G4 and E are in the same building, along with the Style Channel, and yeah. Sound Network, and the Golf Channel, and Versus, and... Um, how, how are the G4 net? gang treated by the E and the Style gang? It feels with scowls. Like, <laughs> it feels <laughs> like that is literally like a high school cafeteria. Well, yeah. all right. I mean, like with you, more cameras. Here's you have to understand. You know, you'll see, uh, like when you when you look at the difference between the cubicles from the E side and G4 side. Like on the E side, you'll see pictures from Us Magazine. Like Misha Barton has cellulite, yeah. and then you'll and see pictures a, of people's families or husbands. Right, and, and then on the G4 side, you'll see like a dildo, and then a Post-it <laughs> note, uh, Tom Servo, like yeah. Jonah made. That's that's my. It's like it's yeah. that's it's just so funny to see the two like just integrating. Yeah, the girls, the the girls from the dish will walk by my office and see like my Mega Man Post-it note or my Tom Servo Post-it note, and just kind of. What is that? Is that what are you doing? Yeah. That's supposed to be funny. The east side doesn't smell like burning tires. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would. What's weird? It's like you know, like we were talking about this earlier. We're just uh, like I, I walk around and I know when all those like all the girls at E and Style they have to dress really well. Like they are required to dress like part models. of the gig. Sure. Yeah. Like, and then they see all the guys from G4, and I just know they look at us and go, oh, that's a, hmm. What it's like high school. It is, and the nerds are, you know, we but have it's, it's real jobs. It's part of the gig at G4, too, that you have to dress like a nerd. Yeah, I'm that? wearing a Yo Gabba Gabba shirt underneath. There you it's go. A, see, like, but not ironically in your case. Actually. No, no, I <laughs> love that show. And then occasionally uh, Seacrest will come um, misting out of the walls. Yes, he buddy. Did, his feet just drag against the ground as yes. he moves, and he yeah. says, I've crossed oceans of time to find you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, buddy. <laughs> he just secretes through the wall. He does. He just yeah. sort of wow. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, comedy. You have to. That's what he said when he sees Brad and Boyd are uh, the EPs of Web Series. He's just like, you guys have to comedy. Yeah, some comedy? <laughs> comedy, comedy, jokes? Uh, comedy jokes? Comedy jokes? Yeah, I'm just gonna throw a million dollars at your face. Yeah. yeah. Guess that. what? Because I can. <laughs> that's right. I don't. I don't miss it, buddy. I don't miss it at all. <laughs> Um, are you watching any nerdy stuff right now? I'm, I'm way. I'm. I just finished season three of Doctor Who, and I can't, I fucking can't wrap my mind around how awesome I think. I, show uh, is. I jumped off the Doctor Who train a while ago, back when Tom Baker. Oh was yeah, Doctor okay. So Who. the old, like classic vid- textbook Doctor textbook Who. Textbook Doctor Who. Where you got to give David Tennant a chance. Where the uh, yeah, I, I'm, it's not for uh, lack of interest, but uh, it was part of the, part of my. My uh, BBC interest was back in the Doctor Who days. They also had a, a show called The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, mm-hmm. yeah. yep. which was I had read the book first, and when I found that they had a, a TV show of it, I was blown away because right. it was su- it had super cool rudimentary animation in it, mm-hmm. which was I thought was an excellent way to sort of get the idea of this this Hitchhiker's Guide out there. And then that uh, Doctor Who would always follow that, so I had the, that was my like two hour rock block of. Uh, Nerdy British comedy. Well, you know, Douglas Adams, I believe, was a story editor for those Tom Baker Doctor Who oh, really? episodes, which is probably one of the reasons why. Well, you... I'm pretty sure they had the same set designers too, <laughs> mostly black. So it's a black room and a couple of boxes. But all right, then let's shoot it. What was that? Uh, yeah, the Vogons and the I'm blanking on the bad guy's name in the uh, in the Doctor Who Decepticons world. No, 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 eighties, eighties. You know, have you have you been have you ever seen comedy in England before? You know, I haven't. It is so... You know, the first time I went to London, I, I was like, Oh my God, here I am, British comedy, home of Monty Python, and fucking Chris Morris, and yeah. all, this, all this amazing, brilliant comedy. And then you, you get there and you realize, like, Oh, 
Their highbrow com- America's in between. Their highbrow comedy is more highbrow than our highest brow. Yeah. And their lowbrow comedy is beyond. Retarded. Like, <laughs> it is so. Like, <laughs> oh my god. Wow. That, what did was he that say? A, no words. A, was, no words. Was that a bit? I just shagged this bird in a can. Pause break. When I first saw stand up in London, they're. And I did stand up in London. It's a completely different experience because in England, part of the sport of comedy there is the audience trying to derail the comic. Sure. And so it creates this insanely aggressive subspecies of comedians where they're just, they're just firing at people. And I didn't even understand most of it. They're like, oh, the Australians are here. Those Australians are fucking cunts, aren't they? And everyone's like rolling on the ground. Like, you just call them cunts. They really That's are. You. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> or you go to the Edinburgh Festival and they're like, um, they're, and you don't even understand. Not only do you not un- barely, you can barely understand Scottish comics, but then the references are super regional. Like, where are the Flatlanders at? Oh, yeah, goat huggers. And you're like, goat hugger. What am I doing here? Is that good or bad? I don't know. Have you done? Are you? Sh- have you done anything over performance-wise over in, in the old UK? I'm not. Uh, I have not spent a lot of time over there. Um, are they airing the? Uh, are they? They are. The- they are airing. I think they're one season behind, um, and it's fairly popular over there, which is which is great. When but, do you uh, start the new season? The new season we will start shooting in about a month. Oh shit! Um, so the new season will start airing at some point, like uh, August. July, August, somewhere in there. Nice. Um, but there was a rumor that they were going to release season three DVDs early because they usually release them like the week before. The new season starts mm-hmm. to sort of ramp up publicity and piggyback all that stuff. But they were saying that they might release them early, so I don't know. We did all the DVD commentary. Catch up, I think. Yeah, that's a better, we did, you know, we did it all. We did all the extras stuff that we have had to do. So uh, it's it's there. It's just at this point, I'm sure being figured out packaging wise and whatnot. You got? Are you still shooting downtown? Mm-hmm. You, you were shooting at this. This. You want the address of that? Yeah. <laughs> you were shooting at this facility downtown, and I had been. I went to that facility for a meeting for another production, and all of the offices look like the Mad Men offices, yeah. except a lot of them are very run down. So, like the one that I went to had very similar furniture and the same doors and the same everything, but it was just really like. Oh Depressing. no! One has, no one has yeah. bothered to update. Like it lost a little bit of the, yeah, little bit of the charm. Current TV is over there now. Oh, they are. Yeah, like a lot. So I visit all of my friends because I used to work over there, and uh, they're all, they get excited because it, like they have Mad Men style offices. You know, well, it's so it's so amazing, and you know, my one of my favorite things about just the concept of your show is that you know it's on a it's on a cable channel that that you know that I, before Mad Men, I don't think that many people were you know super aware of. But the fact is, it really needs to... It's just like the rating system for television needs to change. Because, you know, a show on a small cable channel has permeated the culture yeah. so fucking much yeah. that it just doesn't... Like, it's bigger than most network shows. Well, it's, 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 uh, it's a, it seems like there's a different metric at this point for measuring, uh, I don't know, success or, or cultural impact. Which right. is, I think, what what they originally the Nielsen's were all about like this is what the cultural impact would be because this many people are watching this particular thing and that was just basic, a basic linear formula there was like, no other way to determine what what sort of images or entertainment or, or you know consumer goods were being seen by mm-hmm. and, and honestly like the whole reason that television was created was to, to put something interesting in between the commercials. To sell dryer sheets. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so that's that's and that's and the reason they measured it, was so that how they would know how to char- how much to charge the advertisers. 
And so the, the, it is actually uh, changing. The, the, the idea of a rating isn't, isn't anywhere near as, as um, important as it used to be. In fact, they've broken it down so much into demographics and micro-demographics and, and penetration. There was this new... <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a dick thing. <laughs> right. So close to doing something. Yo. Um, but there was a, there was this thing uh, there was a study that was released uh, last season. It was called like the the cultural penetration CPAs, the cultural penetration yeah CPAs <laughs> accountants. Yeah. What? Um, but it was a thing that a, that a advertising agency created because they wanted a more accurate way to determine what to charge their clients. Basically, they were like, "We're not making money on stuff that they're getting a huge benefit out of. We want a new metric to to, to determine what that it what that number is. Make it up. It's a, you get you're a ten, you're a nine, <laughs> you're a five, you're a whatever. And our show was like one of the, was the top rated cable show in in that metric. Right. Of like when you thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Well done. So, uh, and you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's true, but I, I'm sure it's very difficult to measure cultural penetration when you have so many different outlets and, and like, you well, know. Well, it's no, it's no more difficult to measure than anything else. I mean, you just have to, you just have to sort of determine what the metric is. But, and, I, and but I guarantee you the networks are fucking terrified of that. Well, they're happening. basically saying it's bullshit. Right. Uh, yeah. Ratings are the only thing that matter because that's really the only thing where they matter. Yeah, yeah, you know, in the way things work today, it makes sense that a thousand people determine what gets on television. A thousand people with yeah. Nielsen boxes. Yeah. Uh, it's totally ridiculous. God damn it. Now I'm just mad. Hey, do you guys ever, do you ever, you guys ever t- does Vincent Kardheiser ever talk about uh, Angel when he was on Angel at all? Does that ever come up? Uh, it doesn't come up that often. Hey guys, remember when I was, this reminds me when I was on Angel. <laughs> yeah, Vince, we get it. You were an angel. You were a demon vampire. Good for you. Not a lot of crossover content-wise so. in our two shows. Yeah. Now, now, my last show, Yet. I would just yeah. walk through a dimension door, and then I could just be places. Do you think Pete Campbell could? No. No. <laughs> Vinny, no. I understand it seems like the show is in the past, but that doesn't mean that you can just walk through time. No, we can't do that. You need to walk through the door. That's what I'm saying. I walk through the door. Time door. It's a time door, right? Open the door. With my mind. It's not how Whedon would have done it, but fine. (laughs) I'd love to see a a Joss Whedon-directed Mad Men episode. That would be an interesting... uh, Full of... A musical episode. A a musical... (laughs) Do you think... Do you think the show will ever do something weird like that, or is it just too outside that world? I don't think so. I think you know our show could be in a different iteration. I think it could be sort of a campy, uh, almost winking version of what it is. Right. I, mean, I think that yeah. there's certainly and 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 many people uh, have 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 attempted that where they're you know sort of parody versions of our show. Um, but we've established, I think, that enough that it, it is very. Uh, for want of a better word, sort of serious in its in its aspect to sort of to sort of fuck around with it in that sense. So I, I doubt that that will ever happen. I'm writing Mad Men fan fiction. <laughs> I just hope you. I hope Sally's okay. Well, well, John Slattery goes into the Dagobah system. <laughs> I don't think the sentence "John Slattery goes to the Dagobah system" has ever been ever been in the history of humanity. You'd be Put surprised. Put it in the history books. Actually, Totally right. Well, let's bring him in. Slattery. Hey. Hey. Bublé and I were just banging some broads. And it's the worst John Slattery That's a impersonation. great Slattery impression. Is that, is that a good one? I don't know. Um, so uh, what else is on tap? You, you, uh, what else is on tap? What am I? That's such a fucking terrible yeah. talk show transition. What else is on tap, John? What's, uh, what's on the tarmac right now for old John Hamm? <laughs> 
Taxing around the runway, any projects? What's in the old talent closet for John Hamm? Let's open that up and see what falls out on our heads. No skeletons, I hope, or do we? <laughs> do you... Um, what is some of the stuff you're working on? I uh, uh, well, uh, shot a movie over the fall with uh, Ben Affleck. Nice uh, that he he is directing and starring in, sort of a, a, a heist movie. Uh, he strikes called, me as a guy who would be a pretty good director. Is it set in Boston? It's set in Boston. Project <laughs> ass. Um, this guy's from Boston. It's the shirt. Yep. It's the Red Sox. I know Red you like Sox baseball. Shirts. That almost disqualified you from being on this I podcast. Well, that and the fact that you like Dave Matthews Band. What, what would you say? <laughs> oh, my God. It's perfect. Take me out to the ball game. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, that's it, man. Every day. Uh, Take me out for the fern and the wieners. <laughs> I, saw, I saw them at Fenway. Dave Matthews likes to have fern. <laughs> anyway, are you working on any projects with Dave Matthews? <laughs> are you working on any... Uh, I'm new to the new Dave Matthews biopic. Uh, wow. It's very exciting. It's called Under the Table and Dreaming. Oh, that's um, perfect. It's just really exciting. That's what it would be called. <laughs> Um, and I did a thing. Uh, I did a thing up in Vancouver with Zack Snyder, who did 300 and The Watchmen, yeah. called uh, Sucker Punch. And the Punch. Dawn of the Dead remake. The Dawn of the Dead remake. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's called Sucker Punch. It's a very strange uh, film. It's sort of like Alice in Wonderland with machine guns and samurai swords, and uh, it's that really, really strange. Say no more. Now, let me uh, ask there. you this because I am certainly not at this point in my career. But what is the, how, how does your dynamic change, and how does how does the pressure change? When you go from having to audition for stuff to actually probably having, I mean, I'm assuming people just offer you stuff now. Like, is it, do you, do you get kind of like, oh, I hope this is the right thing? Like, what's that, sure. what's that like? What it's, is, what it's, is that it's process? It's very sort of anxiety ridden. You, 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 and my experience was, you know, kicking around Hollywood forever and, and not wondering what my next job was going to be and wondering, you know, shit, like, what's, what's rent? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get to rent next month. Um, so I always think that that's one step away. Going back there is one step away. So you're, uh, it's incredibly anxiety-ridden to sort of be like, I'm going to do this one. I hope it doesn't utterly suck and end my career. Do <laughs> you um, think that's possible these days, though, for like a movie to end your career? I don't know. Honestly, like, mm. I, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. I, I think mean, at this point. I worked, um, I worked with a, 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 I did a sitcom years ago. On UPN, maybe it'll come back. I don't know. UPN, <laughs> open the, the up and coming network. But um, it, but this guy who directed the show, who directed a bunch of episodes, directed Bosom Buddies, and so he was there when Tom Hanks blew up. And he said Tom Hanks had this formula that if you had one hit movie, you got three more movies. If any one of those movies was a hit, you got three more movies. <laughs> but you but it was like this kind of weird system of threes. I don't know if that's really. I don't that, know. If that's that makes really... as much sense as anything. I mean, I think it's it's uh, it's one of those things. My my decision process, at least, is 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 trying to at this point sort of surround myself with people that I respect and think are better than me at, at most things, and so that's why I chose Zack Snyder, who I'm a huge fan of his work, yeah. uh, and Affleck as well. I love Gone Baby Gone. I thought it was amazing, and and um, Jeremy Renner, who's nominated for an Academy Award. For Hurt Locker is in this film with us, and Rebecca Hall, who I love from Vicky Christina Barcelona, among other things. Um, so it was just like a lot of good people, and I was like, "Well, that's a good that's a good table to sit at." Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. 
I don't think that that would be bad for me. Every story that I've heard about Ben Affleck is that he's just like the nicest, most charming. He's also, funny also guy. like wickedly intelligent. Yeah. Uh, Do you have to use the word wickedly <laughs> because it's Ben Affleck. Nah, you're right. It's sort of a boss. <laughs> Dude, you wicked, wicked smart. smart. <laughs> um, and and funny and and uh, a good guy to be around. So that's another thing. Like you don't want to if you're stuck on location for two and a half months. And you're stuck with some, you know, tyrant that that's insecure, or freaked out, or it's his first job, or whatever. We're not shooting today. Won't come out of the trailer. Who was was more handsome, (laughs) (laughs) Matt? Are you okay? (laughs) That's how I talk now. Speaking of new projects, would you be interested in uh, playing the Tom Hanks role in a Burbs remake? Yes, Burbs too. Are they Burbsier? (laughs) Far Burbsier. The Burbs. Why not fucking remake the Burbs? Remake they're, they're remaking Bill and Ted's for Christ's sake. Yeah. They're also, Burbs is great. Also movie. remaking Arthur. Yeah. No, you can't remake Arthur. I'm punching the wall. With, uh, Jason <laughs> Weiner, director of uh, Modern Family, uh, which makes me uh, have a little hope for it because I really enjoy Modern. Yes, Family. but it was based on a character yeah. that Dudley Moore created. You can't Russell, have another like I'm the son of Arthur. Do you know who is going to be? Playing Arthur, Russell, this might make it Russell Brand. Russell Brand. Oh, it is, it's Russell Brand. Yeah, I like Russell Brand. Yeah. I just don't. I just don't know if like I don't think we need to like just make a movie where he's a happy drunk in another. In a, but don't call it Arthur. Darthur. Darthur. Darfur. Darthur Mauler. Darth Maul is the drunk son of a space billionaire. It'll be great. It's called Darfur. <laughs> Darfur. People no, love Darfur. it. People give so much money to Darfur, <laughs> they'll get confused and bring just it to the movies. Russell, it's just a little worried. You're a space hooker. Jesus, I forgot. I'll do great with you. Five five people get that reference. Um. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's certainly been fun, to, to get back to the original point. Like, it's, it's way better to not have to audition for things, because auditioning is terrible. The I was, worst process I was ever. Re- I, do, I don't know if you read the Steve Martin autobiography, but... Oh, yes. He talks about it. He was like, I realized at a certain point that there is no way to get a job that you want through an audition process. You look, he, I remember, he, yeah, because I, I, I get the audio version of all the Steve Martin books because he reads them. Yeah. So, awesome. board, board standing up, yeah, he looks around the room and he's like, I'm not going to get this job. And so that and that that made him go right the jerk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're like, well, good for you. Which still holds up. Good call. Still, still holds holds up. up. Funny. Yeah. Did you ever see the years. the jerk TV series with? Um, uh, oh, one of the guys from Fridays bringing it back, Mark Blankfield. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Blaine Capat oh, wow. showed me that. Like, there's yes, a clip online. They, they did a they did a jerk TV series where Mark Blankfeld or Field plays wow. who was on Fridays plays um, the Nathan 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 Johnson. Nathan Johnson. Yeah. And um, and it, it was uh, not great. Not great. I hope Mark does not listen to the podcast. But where it wasn't his fault. Yeah. Well, it wasn't his fault. But that's, hey. that's exactly what we're talking about. That was, that was specifically Steve Martin in right. that movie. Yeah. There was no other way that would work, you know, because it was written by well, him. You know, they, they tried to make remake Heaven Can Wait. Yes. With Chris Rock. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, just, it's rarely a good idea anyway, but it's easy because the, 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 the you know, the, the blueprint's already there. Well, so every, it, everything now is just like we need to present brands that people recognize. Yeah. And but I don't mind. I don't mind remakes all because like uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead is in my top five favorite zombie movies. It's it's a great zombie movie, and I like. But that, but that's rare. He like he completely reimagined that. Yeah, he zombies in a mall. That's pretty much all he used. But his style. But his style. Like he's so. Yeah, it like, was great. But I saw the crazies last night. And the crazies, although it's not a very good movie, it's way better than George Romero's crazies, which was horrible. <laughs> you know, it's what like, about Birdemic. 
What? What about Birdemic? Birdemic is a. I'm still. It's sitting it's at a, home. It's poetry and waiting to watch in it. motion and CGI. I I went to the premiere on Saturday last week. CGI, weekend. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that thing was amazing. The guy meant he, the director, like he he intended it for it to be so good. And now there's like this production company uh, like putting it out with the intention of. Uh, is that the same guy that did the shark versus? Mega, oh, mega, mega shark, shark versus giant versus, octopus. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Some dude from like Central California that just uh, spent four years. But that, that was another movie that enjoyed irony-based success. <laughs> yeah. which, which you know was interesting. Uh, I mean, put but, success in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the room is successful. Yeah, people go see it every month. You know, I feel like I feel like this type of irony is just like a like a subculture phenomenon that would not have existed like 20 years ago, or you know, even maybe 10 or 15 years ago. But it's just like internet culture has really brought the whole idea of something being ironically successful to the forefront. Yeah. And so, do you enjoy that as an artist? You're like, oh yeah, my movie's successful. Yes, it's successful because everyone thinks it's stupid. Like, yeah. Well, that- thing, the, the Q and A afterwards, it's like you know, because there's a theater full of people yelling at the movie and right. like uh, like and laughing throughout it. And uh, Tim and Eric. Uh, did the Q and A, and Tim asked him, "He's like, did you, did you, what did you feel about everyone laughing at your movie?" He's like, "Well, people are enjoying it." You know? <laughs> I, I, think, I also think like it's got to, it's got to have some sort of sensibility of what what the guy was meaning to do. If, if he was meaning to make this super serious thing, and it comes out that it's just, it's like American movie, like right. it, that it's you're yeah. like, you, okay, you clearly don't have talent for this. Right. Your talent is doing something else that you've sort of stumbled into. If you're okay with that, then you're okay with that. But yeah. you know that, that that's what things like the internet and YouTube and 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 the the incredible explosion of of uh, the way to sort of disseminate media is has created is like really pointing out the flaws in some people's yeah. Well, it's uh, like I think uh, yeah, abilities. Like, yes, like, yeah, uh, the internet has no problem pointing out flaws. Have you ever watched Coven? No, the movie they're making an American movie. It's it's only 45 minutes long. I fell asleep three times trying to watch it. It is a it it's is a, a bad movie. Wow. it's a bad movie. It right. is no good. Um, all I'm saying is I think Mad Men could use some more CGI birds. Just think about it. <laughs> Just talk to Matt. We, we had some in the first season. You, CGI birds? Yes, we did. Which episode? When uh, was it called CGI birds? It was called <laughs> Shoot. Where, oh uh, yes, where, where, where Betty the dog sh- is jumping. And yes, yes, and yes. Like, yes. Oh, one terrible CGI. And that, that's moment. when you just to nerd out about your show. That's where you really start seeing like, oh, she has cracks in her. She's, yeah. <laughs> she's kind of broken inside. Yeah. Uh, that was a phenomenal. Sorry. Hey, um, do you, when you first so when you first get the script for or the audition scenes for Mad, Mad Men, do you have any idea? Like, do you just have any idea? Even when you get the job, do you have any clue? Like, this is going to you know create a whole phenomenon, or did they explain it to you? Oh, we're going to do this stylistically, or did you just think like, ah, it's a drama, we're experimenting? Um, no. I mean, there's no way. There's so many steps between reading a script and and a show being on the air that can be missteps that can be fucked up somehow. So I read the script and I really liked the script. That's one thing. Okay, so it's a good script. Uh, it was in fact one of the best scripts I'd ever read. read. And you, you then you see like, okay, this person's attached to it. This person's going to direct it. This person is going to be involved with it and they were all people from The Sopranos I was like okay there's another box checked like mm-hmm. I like The Sopranos these people are talented I like their work on The Sopranos and we had the whole crew from The Sopranos we had the set designer and the, the costume designer and the hair and makeup and the whole gang and Alan Taylor who, direct, who directed the pilot was a guy that had directed a million Sopranos so you had all of these things and you go okay well that's you know the 
could, it could still suck or AMC's never never released a television show. We don't know if they know what they're doing. They could easily mismarket it or bury it or not or lose their nerve and not want to pay whatever it costs to truly put it out there and get it out there. And then once they once I saw the ad campaign, which is that big black and red and white graphic mm-hmm. that was super arresting and interesting and didn't look like wasn't a dude's face on a poster with like look the sixties. Right. Um, that that like, I was like, like, a, Mike, Mike, a, like a Michael Bublé album cover, <laughs> and and but, but and also like nobody knew who I was. So what's the point of having my face on a thing? You don't know it, mm-hmm. and it's mysterious and it's cool and it all worked for the thing. So I was like, well, there's another box check. They did that right, and then I saw like the credit sequence that halfway through the, we're shooting the season. The producer comes up to me, and goes, "You want to see the credits?" I was like. Yeah, <laughs> oh, this is gonna suck. It's Draper and Sterling <laughs> and Cooper and advertising. <laughs> you don't know how many times I've wanted to do a weird mashup where you guys are having a meeting and then I somehow through technology superimpose Endora hanging up uh, in the top of your. Um, Madman. So yeah, you know, it's like that. That was another thing. I was like, that's great. They did another great job on that. And then it just every every time they had a chance to make a bad decision or a good decision, it seemed like they made a great decision, which so rarely happens in in anything. So at a certain point, and I was always incredibly proud of and happy of the work we were doing and the scripts that were coming in and the stuff we were reading, the story we were telling. That. We were like, well, maybe this has a chance to do something. And then once the critics got a hold of it and, and started gushing about it, you were like, oh, okay. I, and guess, that's I guess what we think is what other people think, too. And, and that's what's amazing. I think I might have said I think I think might have said Turner Classic Movies, or I meant AMC. Um, but, but that's what's so amazing about going to work for a company like AMC is that they're a smaller company. There's not going to be as many people fucking up your project. They're probably excited to have these Sopranos people. And so they, they're smart enough to go... And this is what I keep. This is what I never understand about networks, big networks. It's like, just let the creative people be creative. Let them do what you've hired them yeah. to do. Yeah, don't bottleneck it. Yeah, because you know, the more people you have getting involved, the more people can fuck it up because they have to justify their jobs. And then I'm sure at AMC, they're like, we're just so happy you guys are here. You do what you do, and we'll just put it out. Well, that's part of it. I mean, at the time. And I still think it's the case. There were four people working in the television development department. I mean, that's that's they have more executives on you know an episode of two and a half men mm-hmm. on one episode there's 15 I, I used to do half hour stuff and you go to those run throughs for the network people oh my god and there were 40 50 people sitting in the audience and you're like what are well you do yeah you do well, like you do, you you do a studio yeah. run through and then you do a network run through and, and everybody's got a note everyone because if you don't have a note they're like what do you do why are you here? Yeah, I worked on a show once where the big note from the head of the network was uh, <clears throat> UPN was um, <laughs> fuck. What is that guy? What is that? An orange sweater? No fucking orange sweaters! Like he flipped out because like an orange sweater fucked him when he was yeah, a kid. He was and now he couldn't have it <laughs> on. His mother show. was murdered by an orange. So you guys sweater. probably don't get that at all anymore of any kind. We, of- you know, the, the notes are, are generally very sparingly offered and when they are but also like the good thing about things like that is like when you get a note it's usually something pertinent or something that is a genuine concern rather than like what about what if we yeah. like I'm just spitballing <laughs> right, don't spitball right. have an idea before what you say what about <laughs> no, no, just have I a clear, don't know just have a clear thought before what you... if I said no wait till you know bow tie yes oh my god <laughs> <laughs> just you know whatever it is so it's usually uh, a much more streamlined process which enables the 
the people that are writing the show and putting the show together to do their jobs much uh, quicker. They're not waiting for people, and 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 we've been just incredibly fortunate. And and I and it's it's played out in in the actual reception of the but show. But that note actually happened with Rich Somers character, right? <laughs> that was that was how that was how, how the boat's Harry Crane, yeah, Harry another Crane. great guy. Like your cast, because I know Christina Hendricks too, and like everyone's super. Everyone that I know from your show is so nice and just like. Well, part I think part of it too was like none of us were really any kind of a big deal. Like we're all just sort of little hacky working actors that were thrilled to have a job, mm-hmm. um, much less a job that has the potential to be something interesting. And everybody has something to do on the show. It's not like there's one guy who's kind of like hauling water for everybody else. Right. And it's 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 fulfilling. And so we have this nice, you know, set and this nice group, and everybody's kind of at the same level in their you know in their world. So it doesn't feel like you know, oh my god, I can't talk to him. He's he's right. you know. <laughs> you, first of all, you have to address him by his character's name, right. And then, but don't address him. So and it's it's just very it's a very loose for the for the for the seriousness of the stuff we do generally it's a very loose set and and people get along and and it's we shoot in the summertime so it's like there's nobody on the lot it's just us we feel like we're kind of like broke into like the school in off hours and <laughs> making our little thing so it's fun well um, our hour is just about up but uh, John Ham I mean. Funny, charming, gay, talented, gay, gay, yeah. handsome. Can Possibly I see playing your Dave Matthews in a <laughs> But seriously, John, put your balls on the table. I'm just saying. <laughs> just I think you mean cards. No, you do actually mean balls, or you don't mean put your cards on the table? No, I think balls. Balls? Um, okay. I kind of want to see both. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, it's you only fair. Since I'm no looking for one of each. I mean your balls. Pitch and roll them. But um, I would. I, are you going to do? Do you, are, are there any comedies coming down the pipeline? Because I think any comedy follies coming up. Any, any comedy movies? Um, I might be working on uh, on a on a film this uh, summer. that will shoot concurrently with uh, with Mad Men, but it's a very small part. So, I, but I because I definitely think. Um, oh, Shrek Four. Shrek Four. Oh, nice, fantastic. Uh-huh. There you go. I think when people actually that's opening up Tribeca. Oh, it is. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Look at there. Yeah. We're going to go. Shrek goes forth, right? Shrek goes forth. <laughs> I, think, I think, you know, when people know you from all the other work that you've done, and then they're going to see you in a comedy and be like, holy fuck, he's really funny. And I, I think it's, I just see. Well, I, I hope they don't work other, blue that way. A whole other world <laughs> opening up. You what? I said, I hope they don't work blue that way. <laughs> they will. Oh, fucking fuck. Uh, they'll say. Oh, in the theater. Why is this person swearing in a theater when we're here to see this John Hamm comedy? I don't understand why they're being such a dick. I did it so funny. <laughs> fuck. That's every impulse that comes through my fucking brain. Fuck any fuck. Well, thank you for having me. Thank on, you for coming here to on our the offices. We, we always earn the explicit tag right at the end. Yeah, <laughs> like it was fine up until that point, and then Fuck. we got If they're gonna tag us with explicit, Listen, then we're gonna explicit. Swear. Yeah. You've been warned. Yeah, put it on there. This uh, this podcast's pussy smells great. <laughs> Thanks, Riptorn. <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> hey guys, it's Chris. Thanks for listening to the Nerdist Podcast Number Five with John Ham. Well, that royalty-free, smooth-vibe jazz music bed can only mean one thing. It's time for live show stand-up plugs. Why? Because performing for no people sucks. So come see me March 11th and 12th at Comics in New York. Also performing will be Jonah Ray from this very podcast and God's Pottery. Also April 5th, 
We're going to do the first of what will hopefully be our monthly live Nerdist podcast series at Largo in Los Angeles. Our first guest will be Adam Savage of Mythbusters. He's going to perform something. We're going to talk to him. He's going to take questions. And everyone will just hug afterwards for like an hour. Then April 10th, I'll be performing with my best pal Mike Furman at the Showbox at the Market in Seattle. So details on all these shows and more are at Nerdist.com, your one-stop shop for time-wasting nerdity. Thanks for listening. I heart you. Now leaving Nerdist.com. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Rhea Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.